Today's story is simply called Goodbye. An old man struggles to come to terms with his fading memory, a tragic experience that affects or will affect so many of us. But what if the memories themselves should be left in the past? What if that older person is a much better human being than the one that memory can no longer reach? Goodbye. He sat looking out of the window at the car that was driving away down the road. It was a red car, and it looked familiar. Perhaps he had driven it himself. But then he no longer drove, or possibly he did. It was hard to remember. What was the name of the road? It was a road he knew well. Never mind, it didn't matter. What was it that Aristotle had said? Ah, that was good, recalling the name Aristotle. Hadn't it been only a few days ago that he was looking for that name and it wouldn't come? But he knew what Aristotle had said. Nothing matters much, and most things don't matter at all. It made him chuckle to remember that. But of course, it wasn't really true. It wasn't true because even the trivial matters, or it can. The less memory you have, perhaps, the less things matter. Or alternatively, the more the few things that remain do matter. He was comfortable in his chair, looking out at the car driving away down the road. He had a newspaper on his lap. How did that get there? He wasn't sure. It had appeared at some point, and he hadn't noticed. He liked having a newspaper. It was a familiar and reassuring thing. He was very particular about his newspaper. You can tell a lot about a person from the paper that he gets. He picked up his paper, loyal to the same paper over many years. The Times. He smiled, but then his smile faded. The Times was not his paper. He never read The Times. No, his paper was something entirely different, wasn't it? What was his paper? It was the same paper he had read all his life. It was, well, whatever it was, it wasn't The Times. Surely that was right. Or could it be that he was mistaken? That he had, in fact, always read The Times, always been content when he looked down at his lap to find The Times nestling there? He would clearly have to make do with the times today. At least it wasn't one of those, what do you call them, red tops, tabloids. Yes, he was never in favour of any of those. He liked a serious newspaper to read. But did he read? Well, these days, and he chuckled again to himself, it was more that he just turned the pages and looked at the pictures. And also the date, of course. It was important always to note the date. Why didn't he read? He could read. He felt slightly panicked at the thought. He took up the paper and read the headlines. 2,500 drowned in tidal wave. That was terrible. The loss of human life, it was terrible. So many disasters, man-made and natural. But that was always the nature of the news, wasn't it? It was never good news. Papers were not there to warm the cockles of your heart, but to keep you aware of what a pit of misery the world really is. But he had read the headline. He could therefore still read, and that was reassuring. What he couldn't do, he knew, was remember. The content would fade. Well, that was no harm. After all, the news changes every day, doesn't it? Easy come, easy go. But yes, he could still read. He could read The Times, his favourite paper. He felt a little tired and closed his eyes. He was forever drifting off these days, daydreams, dozers, snoozers, always ebbing and flowing, being wide awake and then falling back into sleep. But such vivid dreams. Clearer somehow than reality. 
The people in his dreams were more familiar to him. They called him by his first name. They danced across the years. He was young in his dreams, and he was physically active, strong and athletic. But he really was young, wasn't he? He can't be more than twenty, because there's nothing past twenty to remember. Nothing important, anyway. But when he comes back out of his doze, well, the evidence is clear. His body is that of an old man. Now there's a puzzle. How did that happen? Another thing to feel anxious about. The anxiety was always there in the background, wasn't it? Ready at any moment to overwhelm him. Slipping back into sleep was one way of avoiding the anxiety. It was such an unpleasant feeling because it was vague. He couldn't pinpoint exactly what he was anxious about, but when it came, breaking in waves over him, it was frightening and cruel. He would suddenly realise that there was something very important that he had just forgotten, but something vital, something that would answer all the questions he had. And the feeling would grip him by the throat, literally by the throat. He felt a tightening around his neck and chest, rising to a crescendo of intensity, and he would feel like he was going to die with the pressure of it. And then... At last it would let go, it would leave off, and he could catch his breath and think again, and close his eyes and calm down, because there was nothing really to worry about. That was a phrase he kept hearing, and it was what people around him kept saying. There is nothing really to worry about, and he could believe it most of the time. Are you sure you're up to this? he was asked. Of course I'm up to it, he replied. He knew this was an opportunity that had to be taken. Get through this, and everything was possible. Everyone is nervous the first time. I'm not nervous. No, well, you should be. Why? He's had it coming for a long time. He knows what's going to happen. Sure, but you can't be distracted by the emotion of the thing. I'm not distracted. Good. So you just go right in, but you've got to appraise the situation. Make sure you can get away easily and that you have a clear line of sight. Don't worry about any other people who might be there. You think there'll be other people? Something like this. It very rarely goes exactly to plan. You've always got to adapt. Quickly, you know. Improvise if you have to. But whatever happens, you've got to keep your head. No drama. No unnecessary risks. Let's go. It's an art, not a science. I'm ready. I'll pick you up on the corner. Just get in. Calmly. Okay? Okay. His heart was beating fast. He was nervous after all, very nervous. He walked up to the restaurant and pushed open the door. He could see the man he wanted. That was good. He was sitting with a woman and another man. They were laughing, eating and laughing. Excellent. They hadn't noticed him coming in. A waiter approached him and asked him if he'd like a table. But he put his hand on the waiter's face and pushed him firmly against the wall. He drew his gun and marched up to where the three diners were sitting, who had all now clocked his appearance before them. He shot his man three times in the face. He concentrated on the fading smile as the back of the man's head exploded. The blood pulp and brain matter sprayed his two companions and the wall behind them. That stain would take a long time to clean away. He tucked the gun in his inside pocket. He turned around and walked towards the door of the restaurant. The waiter was still cowering on the floor. Someone was screaming, someone was swearing. He shut them out of his consciousness and stepped out onto the street. The urge to run was very powerful, but he resisted it. He walked to the corner, and it seemed like an age. He was sweating, nowhere to be seen, the red car. He began to panic, but then it suddenly appeared and cruised to a halt beside him. He pulled the door handle and sank into the passenger seat. He looked at the driver and smiled. An art, and not a science.
a young woman appeared at his side. She looked familiar. She smiled at him. Was he supposed to remember her name? He said hello, and she said hello back. She knew him as well. He was familiar to her. That was good. She held up a small plastic container of pills. She told him it was time for his medicine. But why did he need medicine? There was nothing wrong with him. He politely declined, told her that he was feeling fine and there was no need for tablets. But she didn't like that, and she handed him a glass of water with a stern look. You must take your medication, she said. It's what the doctor has prescribed. But I haven't seen any doctor, he said. It's years since I've been to my GP. I'm as fit as a fiddle. Please don't be difficult, she said. Just do it for me. Just do it for me. Well, it was worth considering. She was a good-looking girl, and he was nothing if not chivalrous. One of the old school, though still, of course, in the prime of life. So he took the tablets, and he put them in his mouth, and he sipped the water, and he swallowed. Except that it didn't all go down as smoothly as it might have, and he coughed and spluttered, and she slapped him on the back and handed him a tissue and walked away while he was still regaining his equanimity. Pride comes before a fall, he told himself. Nothing to do but stare out of the window and no one will look in his direction and composure will return and all will be well. There was a car driving along the road. He had a car, or he used to have a car. It was red and he loved driving it, driving it at top speed, at reckless speed along the country lanes. He had nearly come a cropper more than once, but sure the ladies enjoyed the thrill of speed and the wind in their hair. Perhaps after lunch he might take one of them out for a spin. He knew he shouldn't have another one. It made you dangerous behind the wheel, and that was sloppy. But he was on top of his game. Things were going well. He was respected, feared and respected in equal measure. And that was how it was supposed to be. So he caught the waiter's eye and pointed at his glass. It was amazing how he could now do this. Before, it always took him forever to be served. But now, career path well established, business plan in place, confidence blooming, he was served almost before he had even thought of it. He was done working for the day. He could go home, or he could go to Amanda's place. He had set her up with a nice little pad. She really should be more grateful than she was. He might have to take her down a peg or two. That would be fun. He knocked back the whisky one second after the waiter put it in front of him. He shook his head as the waiter mimed refilling the glass. No, that was it for alcohol today. Can't damage your reputation for clear thinking. Can't show any weaknesses. Your enemies are everywhere, and they only need one chance. He left the restaurant without paying. It was understood. He would reward them all handsomely soon when the dividends were ready. They knew not to ask. They were loyal, and he loved loyalty. He also loved his car, this bright red jag, classy but without overdoing it. He didn't need a Ferrari. Understatement was always better, and it moved beautifully, fairly purred across the ground. He put on a classical music station and pressed his foot on the accelerator. Those country lanes, best place to burn rubber. He didn't see the cyclist. She must have shot out of nowhere. It was a total accident. It had nothing to do with drink. The car didn't seem to be damaged at all, but the girl had gone up in the air and had somersaulted a few times before landing on her back. The bike wheels were still spinning in the ditch on the opposite side. She was in a bad way. This was unbelievably inconvenient. Good thing they were in the middle of nowhere. There was only one thing to do. Put the wounded animal out of its misery before any witness happened by. His gun was useless for this job. He got back in the car and reversed over the body. But she was still twitching, damn her. So he drove slowly up to her and rolled his front left on top of her head. 
There was a satisfying popping sound. That was that. Closure. Amanda was going to have to deal with an agitated man. He stole a glance sideways at the people who were sitting near him. They were not looking at him any more. He didn't need to be embarrassed. But they were very old, all of them very old indeed. How had he found himself here, surrounded by the elderly? He looked at his hands, at the papery skin and the liver spots and the veins that stood out like blue pipes covering the bones. These were not his hands, but of course... These were his hands, and he was old. He was an old man, and so it should come as no surprise that he was here, surrounded by old men and women. More women than men, by the looks of it. Yes, far more women than men. He didn't understand any of it, and he fretted over this next thing, so the anxiety came again, but a little muted this time, fogging over, blowing away, leaving the landscape clear again. A red car was driving down the road. Was that his car? Ah, let it be. If it was his car, let someone else drive it. Let them enjoy the power beneath their feet. Let them dice with death on the narrow roads and come through unscathed and joyful. He was content just to watch the road, just to watch the comings and the goings. There was a peace to be had in that. No thoughts, just gazing calmly, letting the mind empty, letting the eyes record the passing of events, but without concern, without desire or regret. He nodded off once more. He heard soft murmurings around him. He travelled through space and time and visited a thousand memories. It was good to fly through the universe like that, to alight here and there on the delicious past, and also, of course, on the terrible past. There had been such pain as well as beauty. As he rose to wakefulness once more, he could taste the intense flakes of experience on his tongue. But the flavour faded, and the pictures in his mind blurred, and he could not identify what, exactly, any of those beauties or agonies had been precisely. No, it was wonderful, but it could not be captured to keep. His mind could not be sealed to hold on to these visions, those sweet dreams. His mind was too open, and what he had seen, what he had remembered when he had been asleep, it was spilling away into the light of day. A young woman approached and told him that it was time for his tea. She looked familiar. He was sure he had met her before. She helped him to stand up, but he had to lean on her in order to steady himself. He apologised, but she didn't object, as she was strong and sturdy. She skilfully guided him from the chair across the room to where there were several tables all set for the evening meal. He didn't feel hungry, but he could still perhaps have a bite just to keep him going. There was a clock on the wall which seemed to indicate to him that it was 5pm. That was too early for tea, surely. He had his tea at 6.30, and sometimes, beforehand, he would have a nip of whisky. He inquired politely if that was possible, but the girl just laughed and told him not to be naughty. But a man and his wife have a perfect right to have a drink before their dinner. It was a custom, a pleasant ceremony to help them wind down from the working day. She had called him naughty. That wasn't an appropriate word for a man like him. He would have to see someone about her attitude, but he didn't like to reprimand anyone when they could be overheard. There were three other people at the table where he was sitting. They were all women, and they were all well-seasoned, to say the least. One of them appeared to be asleep. Another young girl, less pretty than the one who had helped him over to his seat, was attempting to spoon soup into her mouth. But she was barely able to swallow anything, and she wouldn't open her eyes. He asked if it was advisable to try and feed someone who was unconscious, but the girl ignored him. He didn't like being ignored, and he would have to have a word with someone about her, too. His own meal was placed in front of him. 
He wondered if there was a menu in this hotel. It was most irregular, simply to be served without having indicated what you had selected. But then again, it looked appetizing enough, and he began to eat. Roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes and carrots. He had never been much of a fan of carrots, but that was a minor point. He tucked in and was halfway through his meal when he realised that there was something strange about it. But he couldn't quite put his finger on it. It looked perfectly edible. What was it, then? It came to him in a flash. There was no flavour. It was totally bland. The beef tasted like the carrots, the potatoes tasted like the Yorkshire pudding, the gravy tasted like water. That couldn't be right. Perhaps it was him. Perhaps he had simply lost all sense of taste. That would be a terrible pity. How had it happened? He had a fine palate. He was discerning in his culinary appreciation. He liked dining out at expensive restaurants. Once in a while, at least, where the waiter spoke French and there was silver service. He wouldn't come to this hotel again. There it was, a simple resolution, no need to make a fuss. He wasn't really hungry anyway, but as it was a small portion, he would finish it. A clean plate, and then a clean slate. Amanda wasn't exactly beautiful, but she always turned him on, especially when she argued. He had carefully made sure that she was totally dependent on him. He paid for everything. Flat food, bills, her little fiat clothes, jewellery. He was sure there were other things as well, but as long as she stayed away from the family home, that was just the accepted expense of a mistress. There were times when he needed to remind her of her obligations, and the fact that the debt she owed him had amassed to the point where she could never repay it. He didn't want her to repay him, that wasn't the point. Honour and obey, that was the point. I haven't seen you for ages, well I'm here now. You didn't even ring to let me know. Why would I ring? Out of politeness. Your job is to be here when I want you to be here. What if I wanted to go out? You can go out when I'm gone. He liked to assert himself. He would back her into the bedroom, and then would take what was his by right. And when it was done, as a reminder, as a necessary humiliation, but also as a sign of his generosity and his bounty, he would stuff tens and twenties into her mouth until she choked. And, he really enjoyed this, into her other openings. He spent a lot of money on her. None of the women attempted to engage him in conversation, not even after the dessert had been cleared away. He tried his usual gambit with the ladies, asking if he could treat them to a digestif, but no one said a word. Instead, the waitresses came to assist everyone back to the drawing-room. He was feeling rather tired, so he didn't object to being guided, but it was completely unnecessary, a fit young man like he was, to be taken by the arm and walked across a few feet of carpet and then lowered into an armchair facing the window. Perhaps it was just a polite eccentricity of the hotel. He quietly laughed to himself. You can't beat the English for their amusing little ways. Just as he was beginning to wonder about the red car driving along the road towards him, he was tapped on the shoulder by a young girl. She looked as if he should know her, and she said to him, Look who's here. She stood aside, and there was another young woman behind her, not quite as young or good-looking, he noticed, but yet she too seemed familiar, all these familiar people, but he wasn't sure exactly who they were or why they were coming to see him. Hello, Dad. Was she talking to him? He had no children. How could he, being the age he was? But she was insistent and repeated her greeting. He felt the anxiety again. It crashed over him. He must be forgetting something. He must be required to do something, to say something. But he was at a loss. How has he been? She was speaking to the younger girl now. They were talking about him. What were they doing that for? He's been right as rain, not a bother on him. Why were they talking like that? Was he ill? Was he perhaps in hospital? And being visited? Was he recovering from some kind of accident or disease? The woman took his hand, 
and she looked at him, and it seemed as if she was becoming upset. A tear rolled down one of her cheeks, and he felt so sorry for her. He reached out and wiped it away and smiled. His wife and child lived in a large house on the outskirts of the town. His wife knew a little about what he did for a living, but not too much. There were no details that she could give away, nothing she could say to her stupid friends. She had started drinking too much. He had been sympathetic in the beginning, tried to listen to her vapid concerns. Then he tried to get her some professional help, but it didn't work. He was worried about his daughter, Catherine, being neglected. So, quite reasonably, he had hired a nanny. But that just meant that his wife had more time for the bottle and for sniping with her little coven. He could divorce her, but he didn't want to attract the attention that would bring. It was useful to be able to play the family man from time to time. He needed to discipline his wife. That was his current strategy, but he had to be careful. He couldn't have her complaining about him to others. So the fear had to be real, but the damage had to be temporary. Bruises and black eyes were okay, but he was careful not to break anything, and he made sure he applied a gag before any admonishment began. He didn't want her protests to be audible to his daughter or the nanny. But the best laid plans can go awry. He held his wife by her hair and punched her in the solar plexus. She tried to bend over, but he pulled her up straight and slapped her hard back and forth across her face. He smashed a gin bottle on the dressing table and used the jagged edge to cut each cheek just a little. When he heard the click of the door handle, there wasn't any time to rearrange the scene. His little girl stood there in the doorway as he held her mother by the hair, gag in her mouth while blood dripped from her cheeks and from the broken bottle in his hand. It's me, Catherine. That was a name he knew. Yes, he knew a little girl somewhere called Catherine. She was a jolly little roly-poly thing. She had a lisp and she could only just walk, staggering along, holding on to her mother. And why was he there too? Why was he looking at them both? The anxiety came and this time it really seized hold of him. The woman held his hand and sniffed. But now he started crying too. He couldn't help it. It was most out of character. But the tears came and they would not stop. Perhaps tomorrow. The young girl was suggesting something to the woman. It happens sometimes, but he could be totally different tomorrow. The woman nodded her head and let go of his hand. She stood up and looked at him. She was very unhappy. That was a bad thing. He didn't want her to be unhappy. And then she walked away. That was a strange encounter. He would have to try and think long and hard to figure it out. But he didn't feel so sad now that she was gone. So he looked out of the window. He looked at cars as they came and went along the road. He liked it when he saw a red car. He used to have a red car once. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed the podcast, please share.